We've been going through the Holy History. The theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. All of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring all the people of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together with your people on the Lord's Day. I thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus coming to earth and becoming one of us and then going to the cross for us and rising from the dead to conquer our arch enemy, death. I thank you that Jesus has promised to return and that we can have the same kind of hope that uh, those uh, ancient people had for the first coming of Messiah, and our hope is for the return of Jesus. I pray, Father, that you will open your word today and that our hearts will be open to receive it. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So each week we're lighting a, a candle on the, uh, the Advent wreath, uh, such as it is this year. Uh, oftentimes the candles are a different color than these, but I chose the, this color several years ago. And we're actually reusing those candles. Uh, you know, we're economical around here, all right? So the first week, the first candle was the prophecy candle, and the focus there is hope. And we saw that the entirety of holy history points to Jesus. The prophets foretold the coming of Messiah, and that's what creates hope in us. The second week, last week, um, uh, we lit the peace candle, and that speaks of the testimony of the angels. And we saw that Jesus actually, in his pre-incarnate state, was the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And he appeared many times, actually made several birth announcements. But as I said last week, Jesus is not only the, the primary messenger of the Lord, but he is the message. As John says in the uh, prologue to his gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word could be translated message. Jesus is the message, right? So Jesus is the hope of Israel and the hope of all the people who want to spend eternity with God in heaven. Jesus is our peace, and uh, he is the messenger and the message. And this week, uh, the candle that was lit is the joy candle, and it is because the, the shepherds received the message from the angels. So there's an interaction between uh, the testimony of the angels and the testimony of the shepherds, and there was great joy. My focus today isn't going to be on the subject of joy, but I want to look at the shepherds. The first people to hear about the birth of Jesus were lowly shepherds out in a field, as you heard when uh, Felix read just a moment ago. Um, this is fitting because Jesus was born to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what uh, John the Baptist said in John 1.29. He saw Jesus walking by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, Jesus is also our good shepherd, and that's what I want to look at uh, at the end of the message today. So he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is our good shepherd. It's fitting that the first announcement was made to shepherds. Shepherds play a prominent role in Scripture. The very first shepherd we find in uh, Genesis chapter 4 was the second-born son of Adam and Eve, and his name was Abel. And uh, he was unfortunately killed by his brother because of his brother's 
jealousy. But that was actually over Abel's offering because he took the best of his flock and he offered that to the Lord. And of course, that's an example for us. We're to offer our first and our best to the Lord. And that's what it says in Genesis chapter 4, that he offered the first of his flock and the fatlings thereof. The first shepherd, as we meet in holy history, is Rachel, who met her future husband, Jacob, at a well. And of course, Jacob was also a shepherd who worked under uh, Rachel's father, Laban, for um, six years, seven years, so that he could earn Rachel as his wife. That was his dowry. And uh, then he was tricked into marrying her sister as well, so he worked another seven years for the sister. And then he needed to work some to make his own family and living. And so he made a deal with his uncle Laban that... um, if uh, he would be able to take out all of the spotted and striped and speckled sheep and goats, these would have been the least valuable, then that would be his wages. Well, he prospered greatly because the Lord seemed to multiply the striped and the speckled and the spotted sheep and goats. And so he had a huge flock uh, as the result of that. I like to say, uh, you know, that he, he pastured a motley flock, kind of like you all, Right. Oh, that was supposed to be a joke. You were supposed to laugh a little bit at that, all right? Jacob's sons were also shepherds, and uh, when they went down to Egypt, Pharaoh asked some of them to tend the royal herds. And, of course, Moses became a shepherd after he fled from Egypt to, to Midian. Just like Jacob met Rachel at a well, Moses met his wife, Zipporah, at a well, and guess what? She was also a shepherdess. Are you seeing a theme here? This is very, very prominent if you pay attention in Scripture. Well, after Moses, uh, who had been the, you know, the former prince of Egypt in Pharaoh's household, he also, as Jacob worked for his uncle Laban for 20 years, Moses worked for his father-in-law for, uh, for 20 years, uh, for 40 years, actually. King David began as a shepherd. You know, I kept calling Laban Jacob's uncle. He's not Jacob's uncle. He is Jacob's what? Father-in-law. That's right. All right. You know, when you have a messed up family like mine, you get confused on those uh, relations. So Moses was, uh, was a shepherd as well. The first 40 years of his life, he was a prince. The second 40 years of his life, he was a shepherd. And the last 40 years of his life, God used him to deliver the people from Egyptian bondage and to lead them. And then King David is probably the, the most famous shepherd in the Old Testament. He was the youngest brother. And so when Samuel came to anoint a new king in Israel, Samuel was told it was one of Jesse's sons. Well, he went through all of Jesse's sons who were in the house and the Lord kept saying, no, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. So uh, Samuel turned to Jesse and said, do you have another son? He said, yeah, the youngest, but he's out there watching the sheep. Well, bring him in. And of course, that was the one that the Lord said would lead his people, Israel, um, And that, in fact, was what happened. And on and on throughout the history of Israel, we see that uh, this term shepherd, this idea of a shepherd, is a representative of Israel's leaders. And this comes all the way down to our time. Do you know what the term pastor actually means? It's a shepherd. That's all it is, just a lowly shepherd, okay? Listen to what uh, it says in 2 Samuel 5, 2. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel, they're referring to David, speaking to David, on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. See, shepherd, ruler, right? Um, 
And then we find this in Psalm 78, uh, 71 through 72. Um, David was taken from tending the sheep and he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David, David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. And then God, Yahweh, that's the, the tetragrammaton, the holy name of the Lord. We believe it's pronounced Yahweh. It's just four Hebrew uh, consonants, yod Hey, vav Hey. In fact, interestingly, I sent this to Pastor Craig earlier this week, but the oldest portion of scripture that has been found has the ancient, uh, the ancient version of Hebrew with the name of Yahweh. And it actually is a version of Numbers 6, uh, 25 and 26, the Levitical blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Well, the word Lord there is Yahweh. Now may Yahweh bless you and keep you. May he, may, may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up, lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That's Yahweh, right? That is found on a 2,500-year-old piece of actually silver it was carved on, and the silver was uh, turned into a, a small scroll there. So Yahweh, that's God's holy name, uh, promised that he would shepherd his people. Listen to this from Isaiah 40, verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And then this from Psalm 28, 9, save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Messiah then is prophesied to be the one who would shepherd his people. Remember the word Messiah, uh, Mashiach in Hebrew, just means the chosen one. And in fact, that's uh, this series, this TV series. It's an independent TV series. Uh, Look for the chosen app on your mobile device or your phone. They have... uh, uh, the newest episode and the newest season comes out today, uh, but uh, it is called The Chosen because it's about Jesus, and that's what Messiah means, the chosen one. That's what Christ means. Christ is just the, the Greek Christos, or in Latin, Christus, uh, for Messiah. He's the chosen one, right? So Messiah was prophesied to be uh, the one who would shepherd the people. So this is the this is the 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 person of the Trinity that would actually do the work, if you will, to shepherd the people. And of course, he was prophesied. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And uh, if you remember this, and we'll talk about this more next week when we when we look at uh, the testimony of the wise men, the testimony of the Magi. But uh, they came to King Herod and they said, you know, where is this King of Israel going to be born? And so Herod didn't know, so he got the scholars and the scribes to come out, and they said, oh, no, it's right here. Uh, and it was, it was, the scripture is found in Micah, but uh, this quote is from Matthew 2, 5, and 6. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, that's why uh, we consider it so important that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, we find the testimony that he was actually, his parents were from Nazareth, but uh, the famous census where everybody was drawn back to their, uh, their ancestral homes drew Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, and it was there that she gave birth, and so Jesus was born. And it's called the city of David because David was born in Bethlehem as well. So you can see this connection, right, between all of these shepherds, the connection between David and the 
the Christ, David and Jesus. Jesus is, we see him both in Luke's uh, narrative and we see him in Matthew's narrative in their genealogies as being uh, directly related to King David, right? And then this uh, we find uh, to be the, the fact that Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd, uh, listen to this passage. This is Jesus speaking. This is John 10, 7 through 14, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, let me pause for a second. He says he's a good shepherd in a moment, but he said the gate. That's, that's not like a shepherd. Well, see, when the sheep were penned up at night, the shepherd actually slept where the gate would be. And the, shep- the shepherd would literally get up, physically get up, and let the sheep in and let the sheep out. So the shepherd is the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, Jesus said, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. See, they would come into the flock through the gate, through the shepherd who was laying there uh, in that, that surrounding area where he kept the, the sheep End. And the sheep, as he will say in a moment, knew his voice. So he could call them. If they had gone out to graze, he would call them and they would come back and he would let them in. But he was there to prevent uh, predators from coming and eating the sheep, wolves and lions and so forth. He says, uh, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's John 10, 10, very famous verse. I would uh, enjoin you to memorize it. He, then he says, here it is right here, verse 11, John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You want to hear something? Personal testimony. After I became a Christian at the age of 16, the first time I ever wept when I read scripture was reading that verse, thinking that this shepherd was willing to die for his sheep. Now, I think some of you, uh, you know, have uh, very, very powerful relationships, strong relationships with your pets. You, you love them, right? You have a cat or you have a dog or some people have more exotic pets. But would you be willing to die for your pet? I don't know. That's, I don't think so. I, you know, uh, we love our pets, but I don't think you'd be willing to die for your pet. Now, imagine a shepherd with his sheep, or with her sheep, because as we saw, there are a number of shepherdesses in uh, Scripture. He doesn't know all of them by name, like, you know, perhaps you would know a, uh, a pet. He doesn't have the kind of close relationship with every one of them that perhaps you would have with a pet, but he's willing to die for the sheep, and that's Jesus. Then he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So there's some powerful applications uh, that I think that we can take away from this idea of the, 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 the shepherds being the first witness to the birth of Christ outside the family. First of all, I want you to understand and realize that we are the sheep of the Lord's pasture. Listen to what it says in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
And then, of course, David affirmed this in Psalm 23, and this is often read at funerals. In fact, I am going to be doing a memorial service in this building uh, for someone. I don't think any of you know uh, this person, um, but uh, I always recite Psalm 23 at the conclusion of, uh, of the funeral, um, and uh, I have people recite it after me. Um, but it is not just a funerary text, right? It's very, very powerful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is David writing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you see, friends, we are the sheep of his pasture, and Jesus is our good shepherd. How appropriate that that first birth announcement was made to shepherds. Well, further application, sheep don't lead themselves. In fact, what they do is they eat. They just keep their, their head to the ground and they just keep eating. They keep grazing and grazing and grazing. And often they wander away from the flock and they can wander off over a ravine or uh, get their foot caught in, a, in a, you know, some sort of a hole in the ground and break their leg or wander too far from the flock and predators can attack them, right? They can't lead themselves. If there's no shepherd, they scatter and they become lost. In fact, even their wool has to be taken care of. I saw a, uh, uh, a meme of a sheep that had not been taken care of. It had been out on its own for a long time, and its wool was so thickly packed and matted that it was, it was heavy, and it was, actually, uh, it was actually harmful to this sheep. They need to be cared for. Friend, you're a sheep. You need to be cared for. I know we, we strive to be independent, but we need to be dependent upon our shepherd. We need to allow him to love us and to lead us. Well, this is exactly what we're seeing in our world today is people wandering around without a shepherd. Jesus saw it in his day. Listen to this from Matthew nine thirty six. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Well, Jesus seeks his lost sheep uh, when they wander away. There's a a very, very famous verse uh, about Jesus doing uh, that very thing. Um, This is Matthew 18, 12 through 14. What do you think, Jesus said, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Amen? So when people wander off, they wander away, wander you know, out of the flock. Today, the flock is, is, is a church like this one, right? A local New Testament church. And people wander off. Man, the Lord has still got their eye on those people. He's still calling them and loving them and seeking to draw them back. Well, Satan is the predator who seeks to Uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. That uh, verse you heard earlier, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give you an abundant life. And then we hear this, where Satan is likened to a roaring lion. Uh, This is 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
Well, see, when we're not in the flock and when we're not being led by the shepherd, we are likely to be attacked by this enemy. In order to be protected from the enemy, we need to remain together with the flock and close to our shepherd. Um, That means stay in church. That means follow Jesus closely. Listen to this, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other more and more as you see the day approaching. And the day is the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the day of the return of Christ. The good shepherd has appointed pastors to care for his flock. That's what I said to people like myself and Pastor Craig are called. We're under shepherds. We're not the shepherd. We work for the shepherd, but we, we seek to help the sheep. And you can find verses regarding that in 1 Peter 5, 2. And when uh, Jesus talked to uh, Peter in John 21, 15 through 17, he said three times, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. So Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to restore himself in front of the other disciples three times. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Then he said, watch over my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He said it again. Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Now, the third time Peter was hurt, he was cut to the core. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what people like me do, right? That's what God has called us to do. Um, You should follow your pastor only as your pastor follows Christ, right? Your pastor starts leading you in some other direction, some worldly direction. Man, find another leader, right? Um, Enemies may seek to infiltrate the flock, but we can resist them when we're firm in the faith. Listen to this, back to 1 Peter 5 again. This is 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Resist him, that is the devil, the, the prowling lion, right? Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So he's not saying that Satan won't attack. He's saying that you will be given the strength to resist him right? That he will give you the power to resist him. And we do that together, friends. Again, we're not off wandering on our own, each trying to do this by ourselves. We need to support each other. We need to encourage each other. Church is not just sit there and listen to a a, a pastor, you know, speak a message. It's us um, encouraging each other and strengthening each other and gathering around the word and having fellowship. Friday, we had fellowship. I didn't preach. Pastor Craig didn't teach. I just played some cartoons up here and we ate some dessert and, you know, we just enjoyed each other's company. So fellowship is not always focused on teaching, but it is always fellowship around the word. So I made sure that the, the central cartoon that I played was the old Peanuts cartoon. And what does Linus do right in the middle of that Peanuts cartoon? That's right. He shares the gospel. He says, Charlie Brown, this is the true meaning of Christmas. And he relates the very passage of scripture that Felix read earlier to you guys, right? Um, finally, uh, to conclude, I just want to ask you the question, have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you one of his sheep? If not, the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. All you need to do is call out to him in faith. Believe that God raised him from the dead. Confess that he is the, the Lord and he will enter your heart and he will change your life. Listen to what uh, the scripture says. Um, If you're one of his sheep, you have no reason to fear anything. 
You know, it seems to me like the last three years have been full of fear and anxiety, haven't they? I mean, you know, I think most of us are trying to put the, you know, the pandemic and all of that drama behind us, but there was so much fear and anxiety. Do you remember this, right? But as a, as a shepherd, I tried to help you to understand that if you trusted the Lord, everything was going to be all right. And that's not to say that things haven't gone wrong and you haven't been through difficulties, right? Uh, through, through the pandemic and the, the protests and all of the political upheaval and it's just the cultural, the sea of cultural change around us right now. But if we hang on to Jesus, if we follow Jesus, the one who promised that he is the light of the world, he's not going to lead us astray, friends. We may get attacked by people that don't want to hear what we have to say, that don't like that we represent Jesus, but he's going to protect us. He's going to keep his eye on us, right? He's going to keep you as the apple of his eye, as the pupil of his eye. He's going to keep you right in the middle of his vision. So uh, earlier I read Jesus' statement in John chapter 10 about being the good shepherd. He returns to that subject at the end of John chapter 10, and he says this, and this is why you don't have to fear anything, right? A lot of people are falling away today. A lot of people are turning away from the Lord today. But the Lord isn't going to turn away from you. Amen? Okay? Once you genuinely put your faith in Jesus, he doesn't let go. Right? This is what he said. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So I've done this on a number of occasions in our church, but I think it's helpful for us to kind of get this idea, right? Um, He says that we will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Then he says, my father who has given to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. All right, are you one of his sheep? I'm going to put my microphone down, and I want you to do what I do. This is you. Stick your thumb out. You can do it. I promise. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Stick your thumb out. Okay? This is Christ. And this is Father God. That is security. Who's getting you out of there? You think a predator can get you from there? Can anybody get you from there? No. You are secure if you are in Christ, right? The scripture says that our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians chapter 3. That's really good news, isn't it? So all you need to do is call on the name of Jesus. Let him be your savior. Let him be your Lord. He'll take care of you because he's the good shepherd. And I'll try to keep an eye on you. Some of you are a little wild, though. So I just pray for you. It reminds me of a story that a preacher told one time when I was younger. Um, I have only had the privilege of preaching in a traditional black church once, okay? Um, There's just a different dynamic there. A sermon in a black church, the traditional type of black church, is more like a conversation, right? It's like everything you say is like, amen, amen, that's right, that's right. Man, you just... You feel like something's happening in that room. It's awesome, right? We had a preacher that was uh, two doors down from me in the building that we were at when we were uh, first starting this church over in the Ridgewood area. There is the Ridgewood Theater. And uh, his name was Brother Malone. 
and he wanted to have a revival. So each of us, because there were a lot of churches that met in that little shopping plaza, each of us had a night where we, where we met there. And so I got Friday night. And I'm telling you what, man, I was fired up. In fact, it got distracting sometimes because I, I'd be like, oh, oh, you know, it's like a conversation. But I remember a preacher saying that he had the privilege of preaching in a traditional black church one time. And he said there was, a, there was a little old lady in the front row and, and she had her hanky. And, and so, you know, back in the old school days, you know, they waved that hanky, right? Wave that hanky, okay? And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way of participating in the service. And the preacher started getting off track. You're probably thinking I'm getting off track right about now. And so you can imagine that this lady would tell me this, right? The preacher started getting off track. You know, some of us, we want to tell a story because we really want to keep you engaged. And if we just stay intense, 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 it's hard for you to to stay that intense for that long. So we, you know, we tell a story, an illustration that will kind of help you get back in. Well, this preacher apparently was kind of stepping too far out into the story, enjoying his illustration a little too much. And that little old black lady in the front row said, get him, Holy Spirit, get him, get him, Holy Spirit. Well, that's exactly what we need to have happen to us, right? He needs to get us. He needs to get us on track. He needs to point us in the right direction. He is not going to let go of you. Amen? Amen. So uh, best if you give in and give up and let the Lord lead you because his plan for you is better than all the plans and dreams you've ever had. Amen? All right, we're going to have a little bit more time for worship. Um, uh, We're going to do a song here. I want you to Uh, just kind of be praying and be thinking about what the Lord is leading you to do. Pastor Craig is going to be over here. I'll be over here. If uh, you would like to come and pray with one of us, we'd be happy to pray with you about your relationship to Jesus or anything else that you would like to pray. If you don't come forward, remember Miss Mary is normally over here and she is still recovering from her stroke. So keep praying for Miss Mary uh, and others in our church that are uh, trying to overcome sickness. Uh, We don't want to give up on them. Um, Yeah, I will will tell you that uh, I have a hard time sleeping through the night anymore. I used to have the privilege of just sleeping seven hours and it would be great. But I I think this is a, this is a, a pandemic in our country as well. I know a lot of people that can't sleep through the night anymore. But what do you do? Well, get frustrated that you can't go to sleep or you can pray. And so what I've been doing, what I've been trying to do is pray for you. All right, I can't go to sleep. Might as well pray for these people, right? And so uh, that's something that I would hope that you will do. Miss Mary prays for you. Uh, she's still praying for us. I talked to her the other day, and uh, she's getting stronger, but uh, it may be a minute or two before we see her. So you'll be praying for Miss Mary. I know she's praying for you.